looking last week at a, at a subject um, called unmerited favor. And you know what? A lot of people understand favor. And a lot of people understand, you know what, you, 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 sometimes somebody will do you a favor, you do them a favor. And um, we have a concept many times of favor that is earned. That, you know, somebody owes you one, they owe you a favor. You ever hear that there, you owe me a favor. Um, but when you come to God, we have to get rid of that thinking. And we have to start thinking unmerited favor in the new covenant. Because everything about this new covenant is all about unmerited favor. In actual fact, that is the gospel. In um, Galatians Chapter 1, Paul defines what the gospel is. And the gospel, he calls it, is the grace of Christ. And so when we think about the gospel, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the grace of Christ. It is the unmerited favor, if you want to really go a bit deeper there. It's the, the gospel is the gospel of the unmerited favor of Christ. It's what Jesus done for us. It, we didn't, it, it wasn't free, but it's free to us. It cost him everything. But you know what? We get it by the grace of God. We don't get anything from God based on our merit, based on our performance, based on how good we are, based on our appearance, based on our holiness, based on any of those things. Our only grounds for coming before God is coming before him, understanding that we are um, righteous because of Jesus and that we can come on a righteous ground. That is it. Based on what he has done for us, not on what we do for him. That's grace. And we have to think like that. Um, you know, I, I wrote this here statement down here. Um, a good understanding of God's grace will cause you to start expecting favor that you do not deserve. Amen. So we need some goodness in our lives, some favor in our lives. Where the only way that we can explain it is it must have been God. Because it was nothing that we done. Okay? If we can explain everything in our lives down to our performance and how good we are, well then it's not grace. Because that's, that's based on what we done. I tell you, God's grace towards us is not based on what we have done. God's grace towards us is based on what he has done for us. Amen. It's all about Jesus at the end of the day. And I love that about the grace of God. My favorite thing about the grace message, the message of the grace of God. And really, grace is not a message per se. It's a person. Jesus came full of grace and truth. He is grace personified. Okay. But my favorite thing about grace is it reveals Jesus. That is my favorite thing. Uh, the law points to us. It points to how good you are. Or how bad you are as well. It always points. It's, it's, it's a finger. But I'm telling you the grace of God reveals how good Jesus is to us. And so that's why it's good news. That's why the gospel is good news. And if we've lost that edge of how good the gospel is. It's because we've moved away from grace. Which means we've moved away from Jesus. But when you come back to Jesus and his grace, it's amazing. The gospel becomes living again on the inside of us. And the gospel is just not, again, let me just say this again. The gospel is just not to get saved. That's not, that's not, the gospel is the grace of God. So once you get saved, you stay in grace. You live in grace. You go from grace to grace. You come into a lifestyle of grace where you receive from God based on what Jesus has done for you, not what you do for him. And sad to say, many people get saved by grace and then come into works. They get saved by Jesus' performance 
And then they come in and they base their whole Christian life on their performance now, how good they are. And think that they're going to receive from God because of how good they are. Because of their church attendance or something that they have done, their good works or any of those things. Ch church is great. We were actually talking to the kids tonight on the way up, talking about kids or talking about church and the importance of church in our lives. Um, because we need church. We need to come and spend time with God. We need God more than we ever do, we ever, we've ever done. In this generation that we're living in, I tell you, you need to get the light of God's word into you. Um, we, we come and spend time with him. We love being in the word because the word's going to change your life. But coming and sitting in church doesn't give you brownie points with God. Amen. Everything God's doing for us is by his unmerited favor. Everything. So we have to think like that. We have to think that God, uh, God's um, goodness towards us is based on his son, not based on our goodness. Amen. So that, that's what we've been looking at, unmerited favor. Amen. Now, tonight what I'm going to look at for a while tonight is I'm going to look at what favor brings. Last week we looked at um, the fact that we are favored of God, the fact that we are highly favored with God. And we looked at that last week, that um, we're favored because we're in the beloved. So we looked at that last week. We're favored because of Jesus. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. See, again, it brings it right back to Jesus. You're favored not because of your performance. You're, uh, the word there where it talks about you're highly, or that you're accepted in the beloved, that term there, it means that you are highly favored. And you're highly favored in Christ. It almost goes back to him. Am I highly favored? Yes. Are you highly favored? Yes. Not because of what we have done, but because of who we are in we're in Christ. Amen. So uh, we looked at that last week. But tonight what I want to start looking at. Um, I want to look at what favor brings in our lives. Because you see if you're going to start expecting goodness in your life that you do not deserve. That's grace. Well then what can you expect? Okay. Now what I'm going to look at for a bit tonight. Is I'm going to end up looking a bit at in, in Christ tonight. Um, God, God wants you to prosper. Okay, God wants you to increase, but I need to just lay, just uh, not even lay a foundation, but just say a few things uh, uh, before we get into um, looking at, at, at increase and stuff like that tonight. Because let me tell you, the gospel, the, well, I'll put it this way you hear this phrase many times that the, there's a prosperity gospel. Has anyone ever heard that? You know, I've heard people say that to me, are you into the prosperity gospel? No, I'm into the gospel of the grace of Christ, okay? And scripturally, there is no such a gospel as the prosperity gospel, okay? The gospel, there's the gospel, okay? The gospel is the gospel of the grace of Christ, okay? The, the good thing about that is it always puts Jesus in the center, okay? But God does want to increase us. So there's not a prosperity gospel. There's a gospel of the grace of Christ. But I've found this. When you come under God's favor, you increase. Okay? But you increase with Jesus as the focus. And what I'm saying is that is, you know, money is never meant to take the place of God in our lives. In actual fact, the Bible lets us know that there's two masters. Okay? Money and God. They're two masters. Yeah, the Bible says you'll, you'll either love one and despise the other or hold to the one. At the end of the day, you can't, it says there you can't serve God and money or mammon. You can't do it. You can't serve God and money. You cannot put money in the place of God. But I tell you, if you put God in his right position, the Bible says that all of these things will be added onto you. So does things be added onto us? Do we increase? 
I can guarantee if you walk with God, you will increase. Amen? If you walk with God, God has a plan to increase your life. God has a plan to bring favor into your life. And that favor comes by believing. You just believe in the grace of God. It's unmerited favor into our lives. But you know what? Money is not um, the object of our lives. Um, over in the book of um, in the book of Proverbs, it talks there about it tells it tells us to seek wisdom. Okay, and if you look at that there, you, you, we, we can translate that over for us in the new covenant. We'll see Jesus has made unto us wisdom. Okay, and you can see it in Proverbs. I'm not going to look at that tonight, but I tell you, really, what we're looking at is we're seeking Jesus. We're seeking Him, who He is. But how many of you know if you seek Jesus' heart, you also get His hand. Okay? The problem is there's a lot of people who are seeking his hand without seeking his heart. But you need to seek his heart. Or you know what saying is to seek his face. Okay? When you seek him, the person, the individual, when you seek Jesus as the person, you get everything that he has. And over in the book of Proverbs, it, says, it tells us not to seek money. Okay? But it tells us to seek wisdom. Here's the thing about wisdom. When you seek wisdom, wisdom has two hands. And on her, um, on her um, left hand is, is, is riches and honor. And on her right hand is a long life. The right hand being the predominant hand. And I tell you, um, health is more important than, than, than possessions. Amen? But you know, really what I'm saying there is when you seek wisdom, you get what's in the hands. And when you seek Jesus, you get what's in his hands. But don't seek Jesus for the things. Seek Jesus for the person. When you get the person, you get what he has. Amen? Now, you can look at people in the Bible like the likes of um, um, Balaam. Balaam was was interested in the wealth. That's all he was interested in, okay? And we don't want to be like that. Or um, you can look at Judas. Judas, do you remember the story where Judas said, where, um, remember, remember the story where Mary came and she poured out on Jesus and Judas turned around and said, this should have been sold and give to the, the poor. Yeah. And the Bible says there, he didn't say that because he cared for the poor, because he was a thief, yeah. okay? And many times people, you, you'll hear that there many times people say, you know, even with Christians and giving and stuff like that, there's a lot of people hate giving and hate anything to do with giving. And many times it reveals their heart because actually they're the ones that have the problem with money. You understand? Just like Judas. Judas turned around and said, this should have been sold and given to the poor. Not, like, not that there's anything wrong with giving to the poor. But I tell you, the best place to give is to give, give to Jesus. That's the best place to give. And Jesus was saying the poor you'll have with you always. Many know Jesus gave to the poor. Yeah? Remember even at the, um, the Last Supper when Judas got up and left? Where, where did the old disciples think that Judas went? They thought that Judas went to give to the poor that night. Because Jesus always gave to people who were in need. He wasn't a sel he's not a selfish God. I tell you, God is not a selfish God. Amen? But back to that story. Do you know what? When Judas turned around and said that you should um, sell this here and give it to the poor, all he was interested in was he had the bag, when you read, where the money was. He was like the treasurer. And do you know what he was interested in? If you can get that money in that bag, it can be dipping out of it. He wasn't interested in people. He was interested in money. But you know what? Uh, uh, Mary, she came and she took the most valuable thing that she had and she poured it out on Jesus. Do you know why? Because she was more interested in him than she was in money. Okay? It comes down to where, where, where's your heart? Do you see, if, if, if your heart is a heart after God, God can get wealth to you or get increase to you. And you'll know what to do with it because your heart's not after money. Your heart is after him and the things of him. 
Amen. And there has to be a lot of balance in that. And I'm going to talk about favour um, tonight and just show tonight, um, do, do you know, again, that when you put God in that rightful place in your life and you position yourself in the favour of God, how do you do that? By faith. Okay. That's how you position yourself. You stop trying to earn and you put faith in what Jesus done for you. Increase comes to your life. Amen. That's just, that's just the way it is. Um, anyway, a couple of things just before we look at a couple of these verses. You know the story in the book of Haggai where they were putting their own houses in front of God's house. And what happened? The Bible says that they ended up with bags and it was like they had holes in it and everything they got they lost. Do you know why? Because they were putting money first. See, that's what I'm saying. Don't put money first. Don't seek money. Excuse me. Seek Jesus. Who are we meant to seek? Who are we meant to follow? The Bible says follow the what? The good shepherd. Do you know what the Bible says? When you follow the good shepherd, what follows you? Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So we're not to follow goodness and mercy. We're to follow the shepherd. When you follow the shepherd, goodness and mercy will follow you. So the aim is not to follow money. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to put out here, don't get into... Um, the prosperity gospel mindset where it's all about money because people see it and people know when you're you're more in love with money than you are in love with Jesus but if you're in love with Jesus and God gets money to you you'll see a generous heart you'll see a heart that loves what he loves you'll see a heart that has his heart a heart for people a heart for the move of God I tell you Jesus is not a tight Jesus Jesus is a given Jesus he was always given he came full of full of grace and truth and he was always given he was always given out of who he was always he was always blessing but he stayed full Amen. And I tell you, when we hang about him, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to follow him and start become like him, where we become generous as well. It's not about get, 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 get. That's not what it's about. It's about being able to receive so that you have to give. Being able to receive freely, you have received freely give. And it's in a place where we keep our hearts right to where we're generous. And I tell you, when you have a generous heart, you have a heart like God. And God gets well to you. It'll just keep flowing through you. That's just the way it works. Amen. That's the way God wants it. Um, again, David as well. David was the one who, who, who wrote Psalms 23 that the Lord is what? He is my shepherd. Do you know David had a shepherd's heart? And David had a generous heart. And you see, as you go and look at David, God blessed him over and over again. But you see how generous David is. See, even whenever they got the spoils back from Ziglag, do you know the first thing David did? He gave to everybody that blessed him. Everybody that helped him whenever he was on the run from Saul. He blessed everyone. He just kept giving and giving and giving and giving. That's just the kind of man David was. But you know what? David was a very, very prosperous man. And when you follow David's life through, when you get to the end of David's life, do you know what David's heart's desire was? Was to build a house for God. Build a temple for God. And God says, I, you know what? I don't do it. I can't do it. How do I fit into a house? But because David wanted to build a house for God, God's everywhere. How do you build a house for him? Okay. But, but because David wanted to build a house for God, God let him. God let him do it. Because it was David's heart. He wanted to honor God. David was looking at his house and saying, God, I have a better house than you're in. You're, you're under a tent, so to speak. That's where the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And David was looking at his house of cedar and saying, I have a better house than God. And he didn't like it. See, David wanted to do something for the kingdom of God. 
But you know what? If you look at David's life and go and look at it, in today's money, David gave billions into the giving, into the building of the temple. I mean, he just gave and give and give and give. But you know what? He understood the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen? He didn't seek money. He was seeking the shepherd. And David was able to say, I was young and I'm now old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or recede begging bread. Amen? But you know what? If God, if God gets wealth to you and you have his heart, boys, you can be a mighty blessing to the move of God. You understand? So a lot of people attack, attack uh, money. And many times people shut off the moment you even mention money in church. But I tell you, money is all through the scriptures. But I know how to keep it balanced is to put the shepherd in his place. Amen. Put him in the rightful place. I'm going to look at this here probably in a couple of weeks. But um, let me just say this in passing. Do you know, um, Ruth, you know the story of Ruth? In the Bible, I'm not going to get into it really in depth here, but you know what, Ruth, um, she ended up in a field, it ended up being Boaz's field. But you know what, Boaz spied her. I tell you, his heart started to go out towards this, this woman, Ruth, okay? But, and Boaz told, that if you read the story, there's a, it's an event that happens where um, the reapers will come through in harvest time, taking the harvest. But the poor and, um, and the stranger not could then come in afterwards and glean whatever was left. Okay? When you harvested a field back then, God, because God's generous, He's always thinking others. He didn't say go through the field and, and take every last wee bit out of the field. Don't take every last wee bit of corn out of the field. Okay? He would say, Do you go through once? And whatever is left, you would have these people would come behind, the gleaners would come behind, and they would be the poor and the, uh, you know, you'd have um, the strangers, widows, different ones coming through, and they would make sure they got something as well. So, Ruth was coming through as a gleaner, okay? But you know what Boaz done? Boaz is a type of Jesus in, in the book of Ruth. And do you know what he did? He told, the, he told his servants that went through reaping, he says, you make sure you keep throwing stuff off there for Ruth, for Ruth coming behind. Make it easy for her. Huh? Make it easy. See, that's, that's a generous heart. Jesus has a generous heart. He's a giver. Now, here's the thing. Ruth gleaned one um, ephir uh, of, of barley. Okay? An ephir was something like um, 10 portions or something of bread. The feed for ten, 10 portions of bread that would feed for 10 days. It was something like that. You know, it would, it would, it would feed for 10 days. Okay? So, but you know what? If you keep reading the story, there's a connection there between Ruth and Boaz. Ruth then seeks after Boaz. He's a type of Jesus. Do you know what she's seeking? She's not seeking his wealth. She's seeking him. Because he, he can be her kinsman redeemer. Okay? So she seeks him. And when she seeks him, do you know what happens? Um, Boaz gives her six ephers of barley. There's an event happens. You know, you know what it's just showing? It's showing here. If you seek him, you'll see blessing come into your life. Okay? Don't seek the barley. Seek him. She came and she seeked him. And she, she got more than what she could gather herself. She could gather one ephor, okay? But Boaz just gave her six. That's increase. That's supernatural increase in our lives. And here's the good news. When she married Boaz, now she had an endless supply. 
But she wasn't going after the barley, she was going after him. And that's all I'm saying tonight is, when it comes to increase in favour, the gospel is the, is the unmerited favour of Jesus Christ. Keep Jesus the centre of your life. Don't put money in the centre of your life or anything else. Put Jesus the centre of your life. When you put him the centre of your life, he's going to look after you. He's a good shepherd. When you put him the centre of your life, he'll take care of all of your needs. He will bring favour into your life because you're seeking him and his unmerited favour in your life. You'll have increase in your life. But don't be seeking money. Don't live for money. Live for Jesus. Amen. And watch him bring his favour into your life. And bring his goodness into your life. And you know, you'll, you know what it'll do? He'll, it, when you have unmerited favour in your life, it makes a praiser out of you. And all you'll do is just say, I am who I am by the grace of God. I'm blessed because of his unmerited favour. Nothing I have done. I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. Amen. So what am I saying? Seek him. Amen. Not good? Amen. Praise God. Now, let me look at a couple of these verses to do with um, favour um, tonight. Let me just look at this here. Proverbs 30, um, 30 and verse 5. It says here, For his anger endures but a moment. And it says, In, um, in his favour is life. Okay? In his favour is life. In the Amplified it says there, His anger is but for a moment. His favour is for a lifetime. I tell you, his favour is life-given. And it's for a lifetime. Okay? When you seek him, you're going to have his favour in your life. Let me, let me just say this as well off of this scripture. We're not under the wrath of God today once you've received Jesus. Jesus took your wrath for you. Jesus took your punishment for you. You never come before God and God's coming at you in wrath as a child. You have been delivered from wrath. When you come before him, he has a favoured face towards you. His face shines on you and that's the way you have to see it. We're not under that old covenant anymore. Um, Isaiah 54 lets us know and that's straight after Isaiah 53 where Jesus died for us. And he took your place. Isaiah 54 lets us know that God will not be wroth with you, nor rebuke you. Amen. He'll not be wroth with you, nor rebuke you. And we need to see that as children of God, that we're not under wrath today. You need to see when you come before um, God, that his face shines on you. That's a, that's a, that's a picture of your favourite in his sight. Amen. You are favoured in the sight of God. Praise God. Um, Proverbs 22 and verse 1, it says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favour rather than silver and gold. No, that's what I'm saying. Favour is better than money. Don't be seeking money. Seek favour. How do you do that? You seek Jesus. You put Jesus as centre of your life and you put your, your trust in him and what he has done for you. You position yourself under favour. Don't go running after money. Just stay in a favoured position where you know you're favoured of God. Where you know that you, you, you're blessed because of what Jesus has done for you. You know his face shines on you. That's life. That's truly the place of living for us. Or another way of saying it is this. You know, if I was to stand up here tonight and I had two envelopes in my hand. And in one envelope I had this week's lottery numbers. How many would like that? Yeah? Or in the other envelope I had the favour of God. Which one would you choose? Amen. But you know, you know, truly, what's the best one to choose is favour. Because money can only get you certain things. But I'm telling you, favour favor can open up doors that money can never open up. Favor, the favour of God will never be taken from you. That's another good thing. And many know the Bible says of money, money is like it can get wings and fly away. 
Now you know what it's like sometimes you had a load of money and then it's gone. Where did it go to? Well, I got married, got a wife, no. <laughs> Where did it go to? Where did the money go to? It flew away. You know, one, one day it was there, the next day it was not. You can't base your life on money, but here's the thing about favour. You'll always be favoured of God once you're a child of God. Amen. Jenny's noticed like to, to work at something for a long time and it came to nothing. Have you ever put your heart and soul into something and it didn't work out? You know, I always think of my car. I bought a car, first car that I bought. Remember the heap of scrap that I got? <laughs> there were more holes in it than you can imagine. But I, I bought this wee car anyway and got it all patched up. It was all underneath it, not on the bodywork. So I got it all patched up and... You know what it was? It wasn't a great car at all, but I bought it anyway, okay? And I worked hard at it. And then myself and dad were working down in Belfast and we bought a car and brought it home. Do you remember that? The MG. Do you not remember that? The MG Metro. We took it home and we took all of the stuff off of the MG Metro and we put it onto the wee Metro that I had. And I spent weeks sticking stuff on it and changed all the interior on it. And put, you know, it's funny, I put a big green stripe up the side of it and on the back of it it said no fear and all of this kind of thing. And it was, it was a great wee car actually to drive. It, it ran like a dream. But it was a heap of scrap really. And, but I put new wheels on it, new steering wheel, all of this kind of stuff. Because I took everything out of that car and transferred it over. I only had the car done. And I drove up to church one night up in Enniskillen. And a young girl drove out in front of me. And the whole thing was wrecked. And it was gone. All of that work, effort, coming home at night putting the car up, on, 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 uh, taking the wheels off it, setting it up, painting all underneath the body of it and everything. I spent, I don't know how long, doing this thing up and getting it together and it was gone like that. And I'll tell you, that's the way it is many times when we do things in our human effort, it can be gone like that. But I'm telling you, the favour of God when it's upon your life is something that's completely different because money can be taken. But, but I tell you this, um, money can go from your life, but favour will never go from your life. And here's the thing about when you have the favour of God upon your life, you never lose it. Even if you lose the money, you can get back everything that was taken because you're favoured. Amen? It's just brilliant. Favour's more important in our lives. Amen? Now... Oh, no like for time. Let me, just, let me just look at these couple of things here for a second. Proverbs 12. Let me just say a couple of things about favour here. And again, this is one aspect of favour that I'm going to look at tonight. And that is that favour has to, has, to um, has to do with increase. And when you have God's favour on your life, your life will increase. It's just the way it works. When you have the favour of God in your life, your life will increase. Amen? And that's why it's so important to position yourself in the favour of God and not base your life on what you can do and base your life on your merit, your performance, how good you are and all of them things. Base your life on how good Jesus is and position yourself in his favour. Now, I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself tonight and tell us what favour is, okay? And what it, or not what it is, what it brings in our lives. And this is only one aspect of it tonight, okay? Um, Proverbs 19. Look what it says here. It says in, in, in Proverbs 19, verse 12, it says, The king's wrath is as the roaring of a land. And again, thank God, we are not under the wrath of the king. Amen. Jesus took our wrath, okay? Now, look at this here, but his favour, this is where we are. His favour is, is as the dew upon the grass. People think, what's so good about favour being like the dew upon the grass? 
Well, here's the thing about the dew and the grass. You know, you know the, um, if we lived in a country where it didn't rain, well, you'd be glad to have the dew and the grass. Do you know why? Without the dew and the grass, there's going to be no harvest. Because the dew waters the grass and waters the seeds and waters your harvest and it brings fruitfulness. Now, we don't understand a lot of that because I'd say none of us are farmers, okay, that are here tonight. So we're not going out and plowing a field tonight, okay, and to bring in a harvest. Do you know where we go? We, we go to the shopping centre. We go to Asda somewhere, or we go to Sainsbury's, or Tesco's, or somewhere like that, to get our, our groceries. But you know, when you go to buy stuff, when you go to buy bread, do you know what? That had to come in through a harvest. And if you didn't have water, and you didn't have the dew upon your ground, there's no harvest. Do you know what, do you know what no dew is? No dew equals famine. And if we're not positioned in favour, our lives will be like a famine. Okay? No fruitfulness. Do you know whenever um, Elijah um, came and said that time, remember he says, uh, according to his word, there'll be no rain. There'll be no rain. No rain, no dew, no nothing. And do you know what happened? Everything dried up and what, happened, what it produced was a famine. When you don't have rain or you don't have dew, it equals no fruit. Amen. And it equals famine. But you know what? We need to know that we have the favour of the King upon us. And when you have the favour of the King upon you, do you know what you have? You have Jew in your life. And what that's, it's just like the Jew. It's just like the Jew. In other words, you're a well-watered field. And when you have God's favour on your life, there's going to be fruitfulness. There's going to be increase in your life. Amen. Um, you know, in Genesis, I'll just call these out here. In Genesis 2 and verse 6, it talks over there about, about the earth. And, um, and our, about the creation and you know it didn't rain whenever God made the earth it didn't rain there was no rain but how God watered the earth was he, he, there was a mist on, it was just the dew would come on, on the, the earth and it would water it but you know what it produced fruitfulness and without dew there's no fruitfulness um, Genesis 27 verses 28 and 39 um, talked there about Jacob's um, blessing to Joseph and he said part of the blessing would be the dew upon the ground. Why? Because that would bring increase. Do you know what we need to see ourselves? In our, you know, when the Bible says that you're highly favoured, you need to look at yourself and say, I'm a well-watered field. God, I thank you that you're bringing increase in my life. Not because of how good I am. Not because of my performance. Not because I'm ever so special in myself. But because of Jesus. I look to him. And I'm favoured because of Jesus. I'm highly favoured in the beloved. And you start to expect increase in your life. Amen. Um, we looked at a couple other things here. Uh, Zechariah 8 and verse 12 as well. It talks about the same thing. And it talks about um, there, when, there, when there's dew. What it equals is fruitfulness. What it equals is prosperity. Amen. Prosperity is not an evil word. What's evil is love and money. Okay. Increase is a good thing. Increase is a blessing the Bible says. Amen. Um, let me look over here in Proverbs 16. Again, it's showing this here. Jew is talking here about water. Look, look what it says here. In the light of the king's countenance is life. And again, notice how many times it's talking here about in the king's countenance. It's showing when you come before God, you want to see his countenance. When you come before him, you don't want to come before God with an angry face. You want to come before God knowing that you're under his favor. Okay? That's the way you have to see yourself. When you position yourself in favour, that's the way you come looking at God. 
You come looking at God that he's not out to get you. You come looking at God that I'm, I'm his child. I'm favored and he has unmerited favor for me. Amen. In Proverbs 16 and verse 15 it says, in the, in the light of the king's countenance is life. And in his, his favor as a cloud of the latter rain. Now, when it talks about the latter rain, again, this all has to do with increase in fruitfulness. And when you have God's favor in your life, God will bring an increase into your life that you could never bring into your life. But it's his favor upon your life. Now, there was two rains for the harvest. Okay, and, 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 and when it talks about, the only way it talks about the former and the latter rain. Okay? The former rain fell in October and that was to water the seed. The latter rain came in, uh, in March, and, or March and April. And that was to bring in the harvest, to ripen it, bring it right up until it was, there would be a downpour. And you talk about there the former rain and the latter rain, but the former rain and the latter rain brought increase. That what it was, is what it was for. Amen. We know that there, we talk about it in, in end times. You'll have the former and the latter rain together. What is that there? That's bringing, that's bringing increase quickly. You'll have the former rain and the latter rain together bringing fruitfulness. And we need to expect that in our lives. Amen. Not, I'm not just talking about money even here. I'm talking about just a move of God in our lives. We need to be expecting the former and the latter rain together. Amen. Um, and in other words, we, we want to look at our lives and see that we have a cloud of God's favor raining on us. Amen. We have the dew on the ground. And if we could see it in our lives, we're well watered. Even if there's a famine, we're well watered. Even if there's no rain, we're still well watered. Even if things dry up, God's still supplying into our lives. If there's no rain, we still have increase. Amen? But God can bring the former and the latter rain into our lives and bring increase into our lives. Amen? Now, here's the last thing I want to look at here this evening. Um, wealth. Boy, uh, favor will bring wealth. That's what I'm talking about, increase. Favor will bring wealth into our lives. And again, I'm not talking about money. That's why I put that down right at the center. And I'm not, oh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not talking about the love of money. That's why I talked about that right at the start of the message. It said, put Jesus in the center of your life. But when you seek Jesus, I tell you, God will increase you. It's just the way it works. He'll increase your life. Amen? He'll increase your life. You'll look at things in your life and say, God, why are you so good to be? But it's not because of how good I am. It's because of your favor. Amen? Now you want some of that. Amen. Praise God. Look over here. Genesis 15. Genesis 15, you know, you know this story with the children of Israel, look what it says here. It says, and, and he said unto Abraham, know of a surety that they shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And also a nation whom they serve, I will judge. And afterwards, talking about the children of Israel going, going into the, um, Egypt, and I'm not going into it in depth here, I'm just hitting the highlights of this. But you know the story, the children of Israel went into Egypt and they ended up being slaves there. But God promised that he would visit them and he would take them out. But look what it says here, and they will come out with great what? Substance. Amen. God would take them out with great substance. These slaves, these slaves would leave Egypt. One day they'd be a slave, the next day they would leave free with great substance. And how did that come about? Well, when we talk about favor, that's exactly what it was. It was the favor of God upon them. They left her with increase because of favor. 
Amen. In um, Exodus 3 and verse 19, it says, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. After the plagues and all of those things, after the, those signs and wonders, okay? Verse 21, And I will give this people um, favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Look at that. They would have favor in the sight of the Egyptians because God gave it to them. God can give you favor with people. The Bible talks about that you can have favor with God and with man. When you have favor with God, that will spill over. And God will bring increase into your life. See, favor's better. Favor's better than I'll tell you, God can give you favor with people. Amen. There's people where money can't get things done because they don't have favor. But there's people who don't have money can get things done because they have the favor of God. And that's what we need in our lives more than anything is the favor of God. And the thing is, we have it in Christ, but you have to position yourself there in faith. To where you stop living by your goodness. And how good you are. And you just come and you position yourself. You humble yourself and say, God, I'm going to live my life based on who you say I am. I'm going to live my life based on what Jesus has done for me. That's a position of favor. But I want you to see that they got favor with the Egyptians. And it says here, and it, came to, and, and, it, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every woman, well, you women love this here, shall borrow off their neighbor. This is all of their stuff. Look at this here. And off, their, and, and, and off her that sojourneth in her house. Look at this. Jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And beautiful dresses. You know, can you imagine the, the jewelry and stuff that these Egyptians had? Do you know what God gave? God gave them favor. That's like going down to Rushmere there and just, just, somebody just says, I'll just go on in there to the shop and just, just pick whatever you want. Just take it and walk on out with it. You know what that is? Favor. Amen. Made like that. Praise God. And it says, and ye shall put them on your sons. Look at this, your children to be affected and on your daughters. And they spoiled Egypt. That means they, they, took, they took from them. Do you know why? Because it was back pay. God, God did not allow them to go empty handed. And God gives them favor. But what? if we're going to talk about favor, let the Bible define what favor is. I'm just reading what the Bible says. God give them favor and they increased. Isn't that right? Amen. God give them favor and they increased. Some, some people... Don't like to hear stuff like this whenever you go to the scriptures. But the Bible says that God says the gold is mine and the silver is mine. God owned it all. They had cheated these people and God just gave them what he said was theirs. Amen. And they left with all of that gold and all of that silver and all of those things. They went from being, from being slaves to being well clothed. And they left Egypt. Amen. It really is a, it's a, it's an awesome story. Um, again, it's talking here, it's saying the exact same thing. And it goes down, it's just showing that God gave the children of Israel. Look over our favor. Um, Psalms 105 and verse 37, it says, He brought them out with what? Silver and gold. Now, that's in the Bible. That's why I'm saying we don't seek money, we seek Him. We don't seek money, we just follow the Good Shepherd. But this is in the Bible. He brought them out. And he gave them silver and gold. And there was not one feeble one 
among their tribes. Amen? Not one. Um, uh, let, me, let me just talk this here out this evening. You know the story of Nehemiah that, you know, he, he got, the word came back to say the condition of Jerusalem was terrible. The walls were down. The people that went back, that got to go back, they were a disgrace and all of this kind of stuff. They just, there was shame and everything in their lives because of the condition of the place. It wasn't a great reflection. It wasn't a great reflection on God or any of those things. Um, but it was the children of Israel, they ended up in captivity because of their own disobedience. Um, in the Old Testament, okay? That's where they ended up. But, but you know what? Nehemiah gets word back and it breaks his heart when he hears the condition of Jerusalem. And you know what? He seeks God. He goes and prays to God. God actually puts in his heart that he's going to be, you know, a desire to go back there and, and rebuild the walls, okay? But you know what? He's, he's a copper. Just think about this. He is a copper. He is he's serving the king as food. And when you pick it up in, in, in um, Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, or in chapter 2, he's, he's there and he has the, 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 the wine to give to the king. Okay, so you, you start to read this story, okay, of Nehemiah seeing the condition, or hearing about, not seeing it, hearing about the condition of Israel. His heart breaks, and he starts seeking God, and God, he's, he basically saying, God, give me favor with the king. God, when I come before the king, let there be mercy in my life when I come before. Because when you went before a king, you could have been teddy bread. Okay? That's the way it was back then. So when you would come before the king, you'd come before the king back then. You'd come in fear and trembling. Because you didn't know whether he was going to deal with you in an angry manner or he was going to give you favor. So Nehemiah is saying, when I come, I want the favor of the king on me. Because he's going to ask the king, basically, can I go back there? And can I... Go back and rebuild the walls. Okay? Now, when he comes before the king, the Bible lets us know this here, right? The Bible lets us know when he comes before the king that the queen is beside him. Okay? So he's there, the king's there, and the queen is on his right hand. Now, when I see out there, I go back and I look at the story of Esther. Do you know the story of Esther where she came before the king petitioning him? over the, the deal with Mordecai and the Jews and the different things there and Haman and different things. You read the story, I'm not getting into it. But when she came before the king, she came before the, the, the king needing his favor, okay? She couldn't just walk in. She's the, Esther is, is married to the king and she just can't walk in. The king has to bid her to come. And if she did walk in, she, depending on how, what kind of a mood he's in, if he's in a favorable mood, you know what, everything will be okay. But if he's in an angry mood, it's curtains, okay? So, but when she did come in, the Bible tells us that it was 30 days since she was before the king. This is the wife. So, when I'm just letting you know, they just couldn't come in. But when, when Esther came in, the king held out his golden scepter. And she came and touched it, not let her know that she had favor with the king at that moment, that she could just come on in, okay? You know, if you read the story. But what I'm saying there is, she just couldn't walk in. And when you've seen Esther sitting beside the king, that was a good favorable spot, okay? This is what I'm saying here, okay? When you've seen Nehemiah coming before the king, the Bible lets us know that the queen is with him. So, he's in a favorable mood, okay? He's in a favorable mood, the queen is with him. So when he comes before him, he ends up, he asks for favor, and he has some brass knack on him. Because the king says to him, okay, I'll give you favor, what do you want to do? He says, I want to go back and rebuild the walls. And then, do you know what he starts saying? And do you know what? I, and, and I need safe passage. Will you write a letter for that? And do you know what? And, and they need all of the materials. 
to rebuild the wall. Will you write all this? is a cupbearer. He hasn't got a thing. He's a servant. But do you know what he does have? Favour with the king. And when you have favour with the king, do you know what he got? Safe passage, all of the materials. He got protection. And he got everything to go and do what God put in his heart to do. Do you know what? Favour is more important than anything. He got favour with the king. And do you know what came? Everything he needed to get the job done. All you need is favour. Okay? Now, when Nehemiah came in, I'm going to end with this tonight. When Nehemiah came in, he's standing before the king. And the queen's on the right hand. Well, do you know what? That's the, that's the way we need to see when we come before God. Because when you come before God, who's on the right hand of our Father? Jesus. And you know what? You're favoured in Him. And when you come before your Father, you need to know I'm here on righteous ground. And I have favour because, see the one sitting at the right hand there? I have favour with you, Father, because of what Jesus has done for me. And you know, when you come in, the Father's smiling at you. Do you know why? Because He sees you in Christ. That's why the Bible says, when you come before God, how do you come? Boldly. Before what? A throne of what? Grace. Grace. That means you favour with the king. That you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When you come before God, don't see God angry. That's why you know why you can come boldly? Because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you come, you, righteous is coming on favoured ground saying, I'm here because of Jesus. And I come to receive unmerited favour. It's not about how good I am. When you talk to your father, you don't talk to your father about how good you are. Oh, Father, please bless me because I went to church tonight. Oh, Father, please bless me because I'm a good person. I've done good works. Oh, I, I, I go to church all the time, God. God, I always do people good. I do good for people. If you come before God like that, you are not on favoured ground. You're coming based on who you are. And you will not re receive unmerited favour. Amen. Do you know how you were to come in? Boldly. As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No one. The only reason I'm here is because of Jesus. And I can come boldly by you in a living way. By the blood of Jesus I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm blessed. I'm favoured of God. And it's not because of me. It's all because of Jesus. Amen. If you go to the Father because of Jesus. And base everything on Jesus. Favour's coming at you. Because you know you're on a right standing. You're coming based on him. Amen. Praise God. I'll say a with that tonight. Say means think on these things. Amen. Seek Jesus and be a good receiver of unmerited favour.